microphone, so we have two microphones. Ah, okay, I got you. It's stereo recording, it's, it's fine. But we should get close. Get, get the, close. The, right. closer the closer we get to the microphone, the better the sound. This is what I keep, this is, I, I, I feel like I spent years telling people this for some reason. And well, I, and here, now, now you're now you're telling me now. Although it, it is a little <laughs> awkward, I'm wondering if maybe they are just going to put us. So, just to give you a bit of background, we're yeah. at Tacos Alvaro Obregón, kind of the default old school taco restaurant, actual restaurant, not a puesto, on Alvaro Obregón. Uh, sort of the main drag in Roma Norte, Roma like La Roma. It's the main. I don't. I don't quite know how to just how to give it a good parallel. But this is the street that a lot of restaurants and other things are on, including the Quentin Cafe. Yes, and including Alvaro Oregon 286, where I. Yeah. So this this street has a lot of history for for us. Yeah. And we've kind of, there was a waiting line for tables, so we sort of meandered over to the bar without permission and been sitting here for, I don't know, maybe four or five minutes and yet to receive a menu, which is typical in Mexico, I think. I don't see that as typical. Typical for me would be you sit down and you already have your dish on the table, basically. What, what planet are you living on where this is typical? Or at least... I mean, are, are you, we, are you have, disagreeing <laughs> over what the, what the meaning of the word typical is? What, what's going on here? Waiting in a restaurant is not common. It's not Mexican, I would say. Now, this is, this is not happening for the first time for us. Okay. Uh, so, maybe, maybe it is, but I'm not used to waiting in restaurants here. We could just grab that table that's right next to us. Let's do that. So we've relocated to a table that was immediately behind where we started. Now, I'm curious. Okay, why do you think it's typical that your food is just served for you <laughs> when you sit in a restaurant? What restaurants have you been no, going to? No. I, I, this is not my experience. The closest that I've gotten to this was an Al Pastor Puesto close to the Lavanderia where I worked at. And sometimes still work at uh, at two o'clock in the morning or two or three o'clock in the morning, something like that. I would just roll up, and depending on who was there and how drunk they were, food would appear very quickly. I wouldn't have to say anything. But the only time I've ever really had the experience of food just being ready was at Bruno's when I ran the post office at Burning Man because I would always come in at 12.30 or something like that. And I'd go to Bruno's, I'd go to the back, I'd just wave at them, and they'd be like, hey, you know, because nobody else is going to be in a suit and goggles. Um, go to the bathroom, and then by the time I got out of the, by the time I left the bathroom, because I wasn't, I'm not going to use the porta potties at Burning Man. That, that's just not, not my deal. One of the perks of being in the postal service was I could actually use a real bathroom. And when I got out of the bathroom and sat down at the counter, because there's always a space at the counter, my hamburger would be there. <laughs> That's the only time I've ever had this experience, which you describe as typical. So now I, I want to hear what you have to say. I was like, where are you coming from in that? Were you trolling me? What's going on? I was exaggerating, obviously. I, we, 
I'm not sure if that's obvious. Like you, 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 you said that with conviction. There was not a lot of sarcasm in your voice for that. We've already mentioned how in every restaurant there's 25 waiters and 25 people who are waiting, actually waiting to have something to do. And so I find it typical that once you sit down, there'll immediately be someone giving you the menu and uh, more often than not uh, serve you um, botanas, right. so snacks. Snacks like uh, corn chips and salsa, most of the time. That is what I was referring to. Cinco de pastor, con extra, con todo y extra piña, y un horchata también. Gracias. What did you? Order? I I ordered five tacos. Ah, cinco. Okay. Yeah, that's the typical. Sí, lo mismo, pero. Con una eh, bohemia clara. For the taste. For the taste, yeah. I don't. I'm. I, I didn't want to order the Heineken tonight. I, it's it's funny when I said, oh yeah, in Mexico he drinks Heineken for the taste. This look of horror. Yes. It was it was such a reliable look of horror. It was. It, it was like, I. I oh. I looked forward to meeting people who knew you just so I could say that, so I could see the look of horror on their faces as if I had, I, I, I mean, I could have just as easily told them that I hired kitty assassins to come to your cat house and murder your cat. They probably, I probably would have gotten a less horrified response than by saying you're drinking Heineken for the taste. Yesterday, uh, around one o'clock, I went to my friend Jose Luis. Jose Luis is the husband of the new colleague at the uh, Colegio Alemán. And he's from Nicaragua, originally. He uh, came to Germany when he was in his mid-twenties. For love. Obviously. Obviously. I have I no idea what that's all no, about. No, none at all. And he's lived there ever since. And now uh, his wife and uh, him, they came here because she's a teacher. So she teaches at the German school. And he's not working right now. He said uh, he'd been working all his life and he, he wants to take a time off, a year off, which is awesome. And his wife earns enough money, so that's, that's fine. And he loves watching football, German football, not soccer. And I do too. And I have, let's say, a very liberal work schedule. Gracias. And so, very often, uh, I go to his place because his TV is larger uh, and watch uh, German Bundesliga with him, which is especially uh, great because he gets, he buys a lot of German beer from the supermarket. And now he usually has Bitburger, which is, I mean, it's not the greatest German beer, but compared to everything I have here, it's amazing. And yesterday he opened a bottle of Paulana Weissbier. Now I haven't had a, a Weissbier in probably for five, 50 years. Felt like it. And in contrast to all the Pilsners that I have here that somehow taste differently than in Germany, the Paulana Weissbier was just amazing. It tasted exactly like it should be. He actually had uh, Weissbier Glass. glasses. Yeah, because can't drink him without the glass. He had those, 
and uh, it was absolutely amazing. So now I'm, today I'm having the Bohemia Clara, which we'll see. Oh, it's actually a, it's not the Bohemia Clara, it's a Bohemia Pilsner. This is new. I'm just having horchata. You, you can you can talk about the beer stuff. Salud. So how is Bundesliga for breakfast? Today? Yeah. It was good. Because the games are kind of around breakfast. Yeah, yeah so on fr the, the Friday game um, starts at 1.30 p.m., which is fine. This is right after Feierabend uh, and great time to have a first beer. But on uh, the Saturday game started at 8.30 in the morning. That's Mexico time. Mexico time. No, local time, yeah. So uh, I, I get up, I have my coffee, I watch the game, and yeah, it's, it's okay. But there is no beer. I am not having beer on Sunday, uh, Saturday mornings. Now, right now, my team, my, my favorite team, uh, Freiburg, is in the Bundesliga, actually. First division. Which is good. Last year, no, two years ago, they played the second division. Now, the second division games on Saturday start at 6.30 local time. So it's 1.30 p.m. in Germany. And 6.30 on a Saturday morning can be hard. But okay. Just stay up. Yeah. No. <laughs> Friday night, I, I, the, 9 o'clock. The, the, the Congress is still really... It's still, <laughs> back, back in the days when I used to do the whole thing with no sleep. Maybe I just got too old to do that. I, I don't know what it is, but... To, to stay up? Yeah. I mean, you, you wouldn't stay up for the whole thing, but right around 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning when things died down, you know, I'd find a carpet roll and just pass out on it. Something like that. Or or, or the classic sleep from 5 o'clock in the morning to 11 or something like that. On my way here, I passed by 10 different taco places. Why are we here? And then let me complain. You promised me a puesto, so a street food stand. Okay, I did promise you a puesto, but I, I also was under the impression that you'd have the previous episode edited by now, by Saturday. Working on it. So and then and then just Saturday being Saturday, we didn't get around to making plans until what an hour ago. Pretty much. And that and seven o'clock on a Saturday night, most of the good puestos are closed or not suitable for broadcast. So aside from being close to Quentin, Taco Salvadoregon is kind of the default taco place. I, I don't quite know how to equate that in language that our listeners would understand. But look, I oh, mean, it's, German it's, it's listeners, pretty busy. It's, it's the one Döner place where you go. Or what do you mean? I mean, these look very good. Very, very good. Basically, what makes Tacos al Abrogón special is that if you can't agree on a taco place to go to, because there's some people that swear by Tizoncito, a taco chain. There's some people that swear by um, Farolito. Or there's there's various Mexico City taco chains. Tacos Alvaro Oregon is kind of the default, well, 
you know, I don't, for some reason, I'm a Farolito fan and you're a Tizoncito fan. We're kind of far away from both, so let's just go here. That's what it is. Now, we're having tacos al pastor. We've mentioned pastor before. This is the default taco as well. And it's a very Mexico City thing. Because they were invented here and from everything I've heard, the real tacos al pastor you only get here. So, where was donor invented? What's the history of donor? Because it's and I, it's similar, but not. But I, I just... I do not know exactly. I can only tell you the urban legend that I, I want to believe. And that is that it was invented in Germany. I don't, even, I don't know where. And that it is basically a German dish. Obviously, sold uh, in many Turkish places. Or only Turkish places. Uh, that is the urban legend that I want to believe. And I have never researched it. I'm sorry question to the listeners. Tell us. I'm, I'm looking forward to this argument on, on the Fediverse. Because the process of preparing the meat is very similar. It's on a spit. It rotates. Somebody slices bits of it off. But unlike donor, which I think just comes as one monolithic roll... Pastor, it's individual slices put on the spit, one at a time after being seasoned in a kind of red seasoning marinade sauce. And what makes it special is there's always a pineapple on top. And where there's an onion on the tuna piece, there's a pineapple here. So we have small tortillas. We have the, uh, the meat, which is, it's pork. And then uh, cilantro, that would be, in German, that would be coriander, which is very, very commonly used here, everywhere. Many sauces, many dishes. And uh, onion, and a little slice of the uh, pineapple. And now, you eat them solo. You don't put anything on it. I, I always use the um, avocado-based sauce, which often is the, uh, the hottest one, and some lime juice, pressed freshly from the lime, because that's what you get everywhere. I may have forgotten to eat today. Oh, me too. I was waiting for your call, or for your message. Wait, but I thought you said you had pancakes for breakfast. Yeah, it's 11. And then I didn't eat anymore. But that's okay. It's okay. I'm fine. Well, we should tell the listeners what time it, it is right now. 8.30 at night. That's another th odd thing about podcasts I listen to is that a lot of the professional ones where they have a weekly... Um, well, they have weekly output will record a month's worth of episodes at one time. I mentioned this last, sometime last week, I think. Um, I'm happy recording one, then editing one, and then record the next one. Because it's, it's, that works for me in my head and with my motivation level. But that's and not what we're doing right now. 
<coughs> so, thank you, listeners, for all the feedback we got to episode five, which we will publish in a few days. You mean like all that outstanding episode at feedback we got from episode four, which I think I don't know what I'm, I'm a little worried. People have been listening. I, it, we, we actually have listeners now, that, according to the statistics. Maybe not listeners, but people who have downloaded the podcast. Maybe aspirational listeners. It kind of reminds me of back in my college radio days. Which I think college radio is still a thing. I suspect it's still a thing. At least my college radio station is still there. And still broadcasting on the open, free airwaves. One of the things they always used to emphasize was don't narrow cast. It's broadcasting, not narrow casting. Your voice going out to many, many thousands of people, most of whom are not going to bother interacting with you. They're, they have the radio on because they want a distraction, they want to listen to weird music or wh whatever it is. But all of the overnight DJs in this college radio land, at least in my day, had this weird tendency to respond and tune their programming, their playlists, either for or against <laughs> the set of five or six weird people who wanted some company over the phone late at night and would call in constantly. Just to have somebody just to have somebody to talk to on the other end of the line. And of course every interaction was very was brief and had its own theme to it. You know, the, the taxi driver who always wanted to hear uh, closing time at 3.45 when he was about to go off shift. And he'd call up and be like, hey, it's Chuck. Hey, Chuck, how are you doing? I'm doing great, I had a good shift. Or I didn't have a very good shift at all. What, what can I do for you, Chuck? You know, play closing time. I let her go. All right, Chuck, I already have a queued up for you. Oh, thanks, Nick, you're the best, man. Why can't all the other DJs on the overnights be like you? I don't know, Chuck, because I think you kind of freak them out. Oh, man, I have that effect on people sometimes. And then that's the only, that's a very generic kind of thing that used to happen back in those days. But not, now I'm wondering who our Chuck is. But you can't really do that on a podcast because you record it, you put it out there, people listen to it. And you might, we, we, we might end up talking about things that happened for episode one. I kind of want to talk about things that happened in episode zero, the lost episode. Not, not the lost episode that you found, but the lost episode that was the first one we recorded at Lardo, which I think we should go back and reenact. Make it, make it episode eight as a special, as a nod to Hex or something like that. The difference between broadcast radio and podcast is that people don't listen to this because they want to hear music, but they want to hear us talking. Or just you, you know, who knows. So... Now, why do, why do you say that? Why do, <laughs> why do you think they just want to hear me? Well, I, I prefer listening to you than listening to me. But that's me. I mean, that is a very small part of the audience. I don't think people like the sound of their own voice. Maybe they do now, but it, it used to be that people didn't like the sound of their own voice for some weird reason. Oh, I don't care about As a normal thing. I don't care about the sound, just about what I'm saying. But it's, it's getting better, so it's fine. 
So I'm having two tacos more because you kept me waiting all day. And then we're gonna move to Quentin where it's a little quieter. Hopefully it's hopefully it's a little quieter. There's theoretically less ambient noise. They sometimes are playing music, but odds are it will be packed. Or empty. I or don't empty. know. Because it is cold. Now I'm I'm feeling you on the complaints about the cold. Oh you, the Mexican you mean winter. we can't sit outside because it's too cold? Well we can if you want. I mean yeah. for recording it's better. Okay. Oh, oh, I see. Okay, all right. Even on a Saturday night? Yeah. Because you know, as soon as you put the microphone down, sure. every... Sure, there'll be music. No, every street musician in La Roma is going to be drawn like a magnet. A fist fight's going to break out. Remember last time when the fist fight broke out? Sure. Between the guy, between the uh, accordion guys and the, the guys that play the same three Beatles songs over and over and over again? Man, those those German accordions weigh a lot. I was surprised. Like they had to call the ambulance after he threw it at the guy. But I think it sounded better after it landed on the floor. <laughs> the NFL is taking over Mexico. It is big here. But I wasn't aware that there's playoffs already. This is, these are the playoffs. Uh, I think it's the first round of playoffs. And it's, it's like with the uh, European Champions League. I don't watch that. And sometimes, as soon as the semifinals come around, maybe I tune in. But. So how about that World Cup? It's going to be awesome. Oh. I hope I'm still here or not, depending on... Eh, it's going to be fun. First game, is the first match is on July 17th. No, June 17th. And you know who's playing. Germany is playing Mexico, and that's going to be exciting because there's so many. We know Mexicans, we know Germans, and it's going to be a party at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> But I'm pretty sure um, the plan is to go to Jose Luis and his, uh, to his place. Is he going to have a have big the, party at his place? Yeah, a have, a, have party? a barbecue and beer and waffles. Waffles? Waffles. You need to do waffles. Okay. We'll see. Maybe I, by then I'll, I'll bring in a, a waffle iron back. We'll do that. So I think we should finish this now. I'll eat my tacos and then we go to Quentin. Okay, that sounds good. Back at Quentin, we've ordered our drinks. You need your coffee. And I'm gonna have. Hot chocolate, because if I have coffee now, I won't sleep until four o'clock in the morning. But that's fine. Depending on what you're doing. Isn't there something, is, isn't there something in Mexico that will put you to sleep? Don't you have something that you can listen to or... Oh, I guess, I guess you can. Oh, that's, yeah. Well, I don't know. It's, I, something I don't know you'll, what you're like, getting like, at. like a show that you can watch and fall asleep to. I listen to podcasts. And the voice of Tim Pritlove is amazing if you want to fall asleep. I'm going to leave that one right there. I'm just going to leave that one on the shelf. On the last episode, we well, we talked about Mexico a little bit. And you should explain why we're... Should we explain why we're here? Why, like what, what why, exactly we're doing again. You, you turn the auto gain off, right? 
Oh. I messed up. And I'm only saying this because it's something that I think people should be aware of when they go start their own podcasts. Never use autogain. What what happened? So, I you, I don't even I didn't get I know that you said the autogain was horrible, but I don't know exactly what autogain is or why it uh, was. Well, the result of using autogain, especially in an environment like here, we were sitting inside, mm -hmm. music was playing, is that whenever there was a pause, the gain automatically went up. Shot up. To, and to, that means increasing the volume and when then we continued talking, there was a very loud part. So to when you start talking, first syllable was very, very loud, and then it went back to, to good levels. So uh, horrible, especially with the music. So just don't do it. We're going to do uh, one part of that. One part I did uh, publish. That was episode three at uh, Mikasa Sushi. And now we're going to redo the draft of why Mexico City rocks. And we really, really should do that as, as a motivation. And I think today we are both more motivated to do that than last time as well. Who, wait, who went first? I forgot. I have the first pick. And I already know what it is, so you might as well just go for it because it's the obvious choice. It's the obvious answer. It is. It, for me now, it has a... The, the last time we did that, I was not yet totally in that mode but we have our plane tickets we have our plane tickets to go back to germany and unless i get a job before that that requires me to go to germany or at least europe um, we i will leave this city and country on july 2nd gonna land in frankfurt on july 3rd and catherine has two more months off she starts work in september september 7th and all her applications, all the paper went, all the papers. No, gone. that's still, that's, that's still, still okay. it's not done yet. The, have we talked about the? I, we have, we've explained to you at least um, the the process of applying to teaching positions in Baden-Württemberg, and it's ridiculous. But we're not going to talk about that now. But now I'm in the mode. It's very German. Oh yeah. There's oh, lots yeah. of actual paper and binders involved. Yeah, although everything's online, you still have to print out paper it's, and it's, send you, it. You go to the website to print out the binders. Pretty much. Binders yeah, full that's, of bureaucracy. That's a short. That's a short version of that. And now, you know, this draft is um, a reminder to myself why this city is awesome. At least some parts of it. In total, I'm very happy that we are leaving. Catherine is too. She wants to start something new, and I understand. And I also want to start something new. And you will never drink Heineken again. Not for a very long time. Although, <laughs> although, if you ask me what the best beer was that I ever had, best beer ever, I would have to say Heineken. But it's important to know the story. I was living in Norway. I was coming home for Christmas break, and I flew. Gracias. Uh, gracias. And I flew out of whatever that airport near to Trondheim is at 4 o'clock at night. And I did not go to bed before that. And uh, went to Hamburg via Amsterdam. So at 8 o'clock in the morning, I was uh, at the airport in Amsterdam. There was nothing there. 
but there was a small bar with Heineken freshly fresh from the tap. And the airport beer, the airport Heineken, I mean, you know, been, uh, I had been uh, up all night, so it was basically still night, and at that point, a beer tasted amazing. The Heineken, freshly from the tap, tasted amazing. That is, uh, I've, I'll, I'll continue telling the story like that, because that was just an amazing beer. Now, the airport beer cost less than a regular beer in the supermarket in Norway and was better. And so it was all, all in all, it was an amazing experience. Eight o'clock in the morning, Heineken from the tap. I don't, Schiphol's one of the few airports that I go through regularly that I don't have a routine with. I think I, 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 my routine is looking around for things that people might want, but then realizing that, oh, we can get all of those things wherever we are now. <laughs> like, like kid, except for Kinder Eggs, but nobody in the U.S., I, I don't go to the U.S. anymore, so nobody requests the Kinder Eggs that are illegal in the U.S. But let's get, let's get to it. All right, what's the most obvious reason why Mexico City rocks? It's the food. It's the restaurants. It's the food stands, the street food stands. The selection of restaurants with very good food and food stands with very good food for an either either very cheap price or very good price is amazing. We, we've been, I mean, that is one part of this podcast. We go to different places and have food. And wherever we go, we've, we've not had bad food yet. Of course, we don't go to places that we know are bad. There are bad places. But... Um, you can go. There's, I don't know how, to, how many restaurants are there here. Uh, I mean, a lot. Unless you're going to a aspirational pseudo-American TGI Fridays Olive Garden slash clone in Mexico City, which people like to go to, and I don't understand why. Yeah, everything is. Even even things that are bad are not bad. You might not like how they prepared it. But it's not bad. It's not bland. That, that's the that's the funny thing about food outside of Mexico City is, at least in the Western world, it's heavy and bland. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. no, not in Mexico City. In Mexico City, even from the from the sketchiest looking puesto, not the sushi one. Don't order, don't order sushi at the the food stands. Don't, I, I'm sure there are good sushi food stands. I'm just. I, but yes, the food in Mexico City is amazing, pretty universally. And you can get, oh, we've had, okay, don't go to Chinese restaurants. <laughs> we've tried it twice. Okay, this is why Mexico City <laughs> rocks. This isn't the things to avoid. I, I mean, except to say that all of your old standbys in other places do not apply no. in Mexico City. No. <laughs> and what's also amazing, so you have all... You can go to the cheap food stand and have amazing food, often tacos, but there's others, sandwiches. Uh, what what uh, food stands do you go to? There's the Biria Puesto that I wanted to go yeah. to, uh, but that's that's more suitable for during the week as opposed to Saturday night. There's a, there's a lot of 
Al Pastor Puestos, the yeah. tacos that we just yeah. had at, at food stands. There's a couple of good places that serve gringas, which are basically tacos, but instead of having a corn tortilla, they have a flour tortilla. And there's, they're and typically larger and they put more stuff on it. Yeah. it. Cheese is typical for a gringa, but you can ask for a, a gringa without cheese yeah. or, or prepared. And gringa, gringa means uh, the American girl. It, it's more I mean, because it, it's, it's more because it, it, it mean, it's a gringa because they're using a flour tortilla which yeah. is white as opposed <laughs> to a corn tortilla which is not white. And you can you can do that, but you can also go to really really fancy restaurants that are much more expensive too, and have amazing food there. Maybe it's not the the traditional Mexican. You can have traditional Mexican food in the really upper class places. Uh, often we found is they try to prepare it a little differently you can go to a place and have the best wines <laughs> and and even those are not that expensive and everything in between and that's it and you never have to go to one place twice to have an amazing meal ever time. And yeah, and compared to anything in Germany or anything in, in the US, the prices are amazing. To, to go out and eat, we've maybe mentioned, so we have the cheap taco stands, then there's Comida Corrida, which we haven't really talked about yet. We'll have to go to one Comida Corrida place once, but you have your lunch menu uh, consisting of three or four courses, uh, and that ranges from three euros or two, two euros fifty to you can pay ten euros for that uh, depending on where you go um, but even the the cheap ones are usually pretty good um, and you can have whatever you want and that that is definitely something that we will miss uh, that I mean you're at home in the afternoon and say okay I want to eat something but I don't want to cook yeah okay you're out of luck Unless you live in the center of, of a city, uh, um, which we will not do in Germany because it's too expensive to live there by now. Um, so, but in Germany, you can't just go out and go to two blocks and have a decent meal <laughs> for an affordable price. Here you can. It's everywhere. And now this is this is Mexico City. Uh, one, I think. I've mentioned this before, you can go to any place in Mexico and have, sometimes it's not that good, but have a good chance to get a decent meal, which usually involves meat, but you can, many times you can have something without meat. When you're at the ocean or near a big lake, you'll have fish and it's good. And that is, it's, it's amazing. So, I think I've won this draft. Yeah, just just with that, just you, 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 your first pick, and you just won it. Uh, by by which metrics? Because I'm my my first draft pick is, and of course my what I say is going to be less concrete, less obvious. Mexico City is complicated, and this is good and bad for somebody that's fascinated by systems, by history, by how things are why things are the way they are, what are the stories behind how things work, the motivations. All of those things are much more complicated in Mexico City than I've seen anywhere else in the Western world. 
And while that complexity can be incredibly frustrating when you're trying to do what should be a very simple thing, the complexity of Mexico City is such that I'm never bored. That even within my own little bubble of Ruina Norte, there's so many different things happening that you don't really have to dig that far below the surface to get at. And people love talking about the complexity of these different things. Whereas in, I mean, now in America, people are throwing the same sorts of, people are throwing the emblematic sentences of their particular political beliefs at each other, with each other, around each other. They're not digging in or doing a profound analysis of things that are every day. And that is a part of existence and life in Mexico City, no matter which class you're part of. That even among people who are who would be considered working class, there is an intellectual rigor in how they go about analyzing their society and their daily lives that I find fascinating that I will just lump into my first draft pick being Mexico City is complicated. Last, on, on last week's episode, we talked about some part of my second pick, and that is the, the cold winter, or parts of the, you know, the short time that, or right now, it's, it's not too warm. I'm gonna take, as my second pick, the weather in Mexico City, specifically. Not the weather in Mexico, which... Also it's a very big country different. with many, many different climactic yes. zones. So. That's correct. Yes. In, in the summer, it's never too hot. In the winter, it's almost never too cold. We're, as we've mentioned multiple times, we're above 2,200 meters. If you go to the outskirts, it's even higher than that. The, the German school is like two or 300 meters higher than where we are right now. We are in the, a large mountain valley. It, it doesn't feel like a valley, but it is. I mean, it's the valley of Mexico, um, surrounded by mountains that go up to over 5,000 meters, like the Popocatepetl, the, the, uh, the, the big active volcano. Because of the height, yeah, it never gets, it, and because of the height, it's very dry, which especially in the summer is, uh, makes a big difference. Walking, I, just imagine uh, Germany uh, in the summer and you have your 30 degrees outside, 35 degrees, and you're sweating all the time. Here in the summer, if you're just walking around, you don't sweat. Of course you sweat, but you don't feel it. You don't, you're not soaked in sweat. Um, at night when you smell your clothes, then <laughs> you might smell that you sweated all day. But it's, it's very comfortable. And um, during the summer, there's the rainy season, which also helps make this not too hot. Um, but it's not like it's raining all day, no. Rain starts usually at around five o'clock in the afternoon, then it rains for an hour, and that's it. That happens every day, but you know that it happens. And it's gonna happen tomorrow, and it happened yesterday. And uh, so even it, though it's the rainy season, it doesn't rain all day. Usually the sun is out. It's really it's it's rare that uh, you go three days without seeing the sun, which is amazing. And this is this is something that frightens me about going back to Germany. 
that I talk to my family now and my friends and they say, okay, we haven't seen the sun in six weeks. And they are going crazy. And now I've experienced this city for four years and there's almost never a day without me seeing the sun unless I'm My, my personal record was three days without having seen very bright, full blue sky sun. And yeah. Pete, you could tell people were going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> now, it happens quite often uh, during certain times of the year that you don't really see the blue sky, but that's not because of... Uh, <sighs> yeah, it, it's, it's the, the, but, the air pollution, yeah. the smog. But uh, you it still, it, yes, it, it'll be hazy. It won't be perfectly blue, blue, blue. Yeah. But yeah, it can be white. Yeah. I remember one time that uh, I took the the metro, uh, the the uh, cafe, metro cafe, <laughs> to the airport. Um, it goes overground, uh, like you know, uh, Ciudad yeah. Deportiva, for example. That's what I remember, and. It was a very sunny day, but I didn't see anything because everything was white and it wasn't clouds. Clouds was the word that I was looking for. It was for. just the smog. It was the smog and then probably some humidity and then you didn't, couldn't see anything. That happens and yeah, uh, the air pollution does not, is not on this list of why Mexico City is great. But seeing the sun pretty much every day, going outside, Except for maybe two months during the year, I'm outside wearing shorts and flip-flops and a t-shirt. That's it for 10 months of the year. Now I'm wearing shorts less often because you pretty much made it known to me that you despise me wearing shorts. I don't... Wait, <laughs> I, I, I don't despise... If you want to go out in shorts, that's fine. I... I, I I was just saying it was a mild fashion faux pas in Mexico City. I, I was, oh, it is. Yeah. I was pointing out how you would be taken in society. I personally, as long as you have clothes on, I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, if, if you're if you're if you're clothed, that's fine. Your your I do not find your calves offensive. I don't. I trust me. I it, you have to really try hard to to offend me in any way. <laughs> So, the weather. The weather. So my second one is another another conceptual draft pick. Mexico City is very self-sufficient. Okay. I know you're, you're gonna, I don't I don't understand. You're, you're not you're, yeah. you're I know. And the way I'm going to explain this, you you know I do a lot with hackerspaces and every yep. hackerspace that I've been to all around the world, every single one has a junk pile. It's stuff okay. that people have donated, spare parts, just a pile sitting somewhere. Sometimes in Germany, the junk piles are very organized. They have a shelf that says, <laughs> this stuff has been here for six months. And if it's here for another six months, we're going to get rid of it. So do something with it. And a, a, every hackerspace has their uh, an unallocated space. Half of the space was the junk pile in, in my day. I think it's gotten a little bit better, but there was no junk pile. I have yet to see a junk pile at any of the Mexico City hackerspaces that I've visited. 
Now, of course, there are areas of projects that are in progress where people are working on it that, that are in various states of disarray, but there's no such... I, when I ask, oh, where are the spare parts? Or where's the pile of just random things? No, there, there is none because everything in Mexico City is recycled, reused, re-equipped people have a much greater sense of how to make material work for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, it, and maybe you don't see this so much in the upper classes of Mexico, where, where you have people who have um, live in housekeepers, but in the, in the wide, in the vast array, in the real Mexico City, people know how to do things for themselves. People don't helplessly go to somebody else saying, oh, hey, can you do this thing for me, blah, 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 blah. No, they, they know how to do things on themselves. And that DIY ethic that I think we always like to talk about, hackerspaces, teaching people is something that's already a part of the culture here. And you see it everywhere. You see, if you just, I, I should just start a blog going around to different shops and places. This, it, this happened a lot during the during the, the crisis of the earthquake. People pitched in. People knew how to help. That arrangements were made for people to collaborate and work together and save their own city on their own. Nobody waited for other people to come and save them. People just started getting to work. And that's something that I think that's that's my second draft pick for why mm-hmm. I think Mexico City rocks. With my third pick, I'm going to take the very cheap public transport system. So if I had to build a city, if I had to design a city and put stuff in it, that is certainly one thing that I would choose. We've mentioned the peseros which are privately organized or disorganized uh, uh, bus lines, bus routes. But uh, what I'm especially talking about is the metros or the subway. The metrobus, which is a um, bus system that is not that old um, yet. Uh, They have their own lines and they go to lot parts of the city. Yeah, that is the, the, the two big uh, public transport systems that are not privately operated. Uh, although I don't know how they are operated, but they are definitely subsidi- uh, subsidized. Um, like because, I said, Mexico City is complicated. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Metrobus and the Metro, they cost five pesos, six pesos. Now, Catherine mentioned something that they want to lower the, the Metro prices to three pesos, which I still don't believe, but maybe that's going to happen. But in five it, pesos... It's, it's, ele- it's election season. They make all oh, sorts of weird promises. Oh. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. So five pesos, that's a fifth of a euro. 20 cents per ride. And I have this 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 uh, metro card, so there's a little ship card, and uh, you can uh, um, 
charge that everywhere at every uh, metro bus station, at every metro station. Actually, at the metro station, I don't understand why they don't have uh, machines there. You have to go to the counter, and then, but it's really easy. You put your card down, so and that's then you pay. That's the cashier's union, basically. Ah, it's good that we talk. This is why we do this. Um, the cashier's union. And they, are, they do not like helping people. <laughs> Yeah, but it works. It works. You can't. One of the funny thing is, or interesting, that's definitely a Mexico City thing. You can't charge more than 120 pesos on that card, and no more than 99 per time, per, per one Something charge. Like that, yeah. And we assume, I just assume that that's so that, or maybe it's so you have to go back more often, <laughs> or that you don't have that much money in your pocket. Because I mean, that is cash. All of the above. All of the above, um, and it works. And you, you enter the metro bus and the metro with the card, and it works. You know, that's maybe some German, you know, city planners or politicians should come here and see how that works, and it works perfectly. Okay. But but in Germany, you don't have turnstiles. There's no fare. No, case. no. But we should because Why? it's because it's nice. You'd have but a you don't have to, on your hands if you tried that. Yeah, but you don't have people checking your tickets. That is the big advantage. Of course, there's probably unions for the controller. So, and now, in during rush hour, um, this public transport system and all parts of it, including the Peseros, it's too much. There are 22, I don't know, 25 million people living here. And they all have to go to work. And it's not uncommon to have a one and a half hour commute or a two-hour commute. And it wouldn't be uncommon, it wouldn't be rare to have a three-hour commute. That's, it's all, it's almost normal, unfortunately. That's why I like working at home. Yeah. Um, so during rush hour, it's packed. And it's packed in a way, I mean, if you, you, you're in the metro, you're in the subway, and you think it's full, and then you stop at the next station, and there's five more people coming in. Of course, there's 30 people pushing them in. It's way where it's I, it's in Japan. There's an order to it. The trains are very full, but there's an order to it. Here, there's no, no order. No, I've is, I've no. been on, I've been on subway rides where for three stations, I was literally on one leg, uh -huh. standing, sure. and couldn't I couldn't. I mean, I, I, if, if I needed to go somewhere, I probably could have made it happen. But no, I was just stuck in the mass of people. And somebody had shoved a bag where one of my legs was. And so my leg, I didn't want to step on their bag. So I was just standing on one leg, yeah. going back and forth in the metro like there was no thing. And now you might wonder, people. how do you get out of that train or that bus? You have to, in, in those situations, you have to communicate your intent. Yeah two stations ahead of time and oh, every you, yeah. you, you talk to everybody around you like what station are you getting off at what station are you getting out fortunately at the big transfer stations half the train will leave but then it will fill right back up yeah. again so that's it's an adventure by itself if it's not rush hour it's perfectly fine hmm? what you want to walk <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm kind of freezing I'm sorry we've moved inside because it's cold out there it, it, it was a little cold, I, I hope. And, and the auto gain is off, correct? <laughs> the auto okay, the auto gain is off. off. All right. Just wanted to double check, make sure. Your um, third pick. 
Mexico City is a place of refuge. Historically, it's been a place of refuge for many different diasporas. The most famous one probably is the Spanish diaspora from Spain uh, in the wake of in the wake of the fascist dictatorship in Spain. But it is home to a lot of people who are seeking refuge from something. Even inside Mexico, people are seeking refuge from from violence or in a lack of work in other parts of Mexico. That's historically what's led to the gigantic growth of Mexico City. To people from many other countries who are just looking for somewhere to be in peace with themselves. That it's easy to be, it's much easier to be a foreigner in Mexico City than it is in other places. Yes. And that ease of being a foreigner is one huge reason why I'm here. It wasn't easy for me at first. At first it was it was a big culture shock, but it instead of it being a culture shock it was perhaps more of a circumstances shock. And anybody who is seeking a refuge from something will be in that circumstances shock. But you don't have the kind of visceral antipathy towards the other that you do even in many parts of America now. A nation comprised entirely of immigrants has a strange kind of, in some places, obviously there are, there are exceptions and there are large communities, but in Mexico City in general, for, for lack of that, for being such a huge city, for being such a huge gathering of people that has such a distinct and ancient culture. Yep. There is, there isn't this sense of superiority that a German might feel in Germany or that an American mm -hmm. might feel in America that while, while there are a lot of what, what some people might term microaggressions that are a part of daily life in Mexico City, while there is a kind of classism and racism that is extreme, especially given that everybody here is pretty much some kind of shade of brown <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> That, uh, that that Mexico City is after you after you get over the initial shock of Mexican culture a very warm and welcoming place. Everybody says Mexico City is warm and welcoming if their heart is open to it, and it stays that way. Yeah. In places like New York or Los Angeles, very inclusive places in the United States, where you know anybody from any part, where you have people from all parts of the world in both cities. While that's also true in Mexico City, you don't have nearly the same kind of need to find your community of origin. That Mexico City is a place where people make their communities of choice. They, they say this: there's families of origin and families of choice. Well, in Mexico City, most people have both. They have strong relationships with their families of origin. And for people who don't, have families of origin like people like me I fall right in very well with other people's families of origin that are my family of choice they're my friends of choice mm -hmm. and that's something I think that's something pretty unique to Mexico City there are always warm welcoming and inviting people everywhere you go but the sad thing is in 
in the U.S. and Germany, these things are more the exception than the rule. Whereas a person who's very, very warm and welcoming and is very excited to have you in their house in Germany, and I've been very fortunate and blessed to have many of those people in my lives, I could hardly say that that's the rule. I could safely say that in Mexico City, that is the rule. And so I, that, I'm going to take that as my third draft pick. That is a very good pick. Should we go ask the uh, the baristas at one of the friendliest places I know here at Yeah, we yeah, should. see what we they should. think. Yep. If somebody asked you, why does Mexico City rock, what would be your, your big reason? Uh, firstly, the flexibility of, I don't know, networks to actually, like, get in and do not feel like... Um, I, I don't know, like an outsider, but you are welcome in most of the parts that you go, and people are really warm, and there's a lot of cultural um, offering, and and I I think that if especially for specifically like I think about me being a musician, like uh, it's been really like. It's been like a, finding a soft network in which I can actually come in and be welcome and get the chance to try and to, and to show my, my work and to grow besides other places that are more like rigid, you know? So I think that's part of it. People are cool. Yeah. So, so where would people find your music if they were going to go look for it online since everybody who's listening to this theoretically downloaded it from the internet? All right. Oh. Oh, so it's uh, it's just uh, the the place the, the the link. It's Mabe like M A B E F R A double T I slash E V I L T A P E S dot bandcamp dot com, which is uh, Mabe Frati slash Evil Tapes dot bandcamp dot com. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure because I think that uh, we are a, a city with many things to do, to do th um, here but, and have many history in many places for the pre-Columbian era and to the contemporary and it's very interesting to see the ruins of the ancient Mexico and are all are mixed with um, the new colonial style and the Barroco and the contemporary era, and I think that uh, neighborhoods like Roma or um, Condesa and what other, San Cosme or Santa Maria la Rivera are with uh, neoclassical architecture, and it's very interesting to see that and um, to know the history of each one. Uh, yes, I, I really love to, to live here. I, I grew up in this neighborhood. I live here for uh, 17 years, and um, I move into another one uh, close here. But um, I really love that. It's very interesting. I, I think that I don't know how to say how many things to say about the the reason that the city is very interesting or brilliant. No, I. It's more the. Uh, we didn't. We didn't. I, I, I forgot to bring up the architecture <laughs> myself, but yeah, that's. Yes. Um, and it's a very cosmopolitan city. Uh, you can uh, see uh, people for, from many other cities living here, and it's like a big community, you know? Um, 
the foreigners came here and wants to leave the city like citizens. And um, the most time uh, the people uh, speak in English but trying to uh, speak Spanish or learn something. And that's very um, important for us that uh, many Mexicans don't speak very well English and if you don't know that, how to, how do, how do you... Pero también un montón de gringos que no hablan bien, yes, que no hablan español también. For example, I, I really don't know speak English very well, but I try. And it's the same thing for, for you. Pues sí, no muchos hablan español, pero lo intentan. Super. I think the the, the the contemporary scene here in Mexico, talking about music, talking about uh, arts in general, or, or or well, yes, in general, is is just getting to bloom here in Mexico City. There is a lot going on, talking about uh, uh, arts and culture here in Mexico, and it's getting the attention of, of other countries, I think. So lately I've been seeing uh, many people from around the world coming to Mexico City, trying to, to develop their projects and, and seeking for that uh, opportunity that Mexico does have. Uh, I think we're new at being new, if, if, if you know what <laughs> I, I'm trying to say. Uh, so I think I we have this this I don't know. We're excited about uh, entering into this this new new wave of an ascending city, metropoli. Uh, you know, trying to uh -huh. get the, I don't know, kind of the first world uh, scene. Yeah. Well, the first time you asked me this, I told you about concerts. Yeah. Uh, there is a lot of artistic aperture here in Mexico uh, and I've seen a lot of great performances and shows and, and there are so many shows that are still waiting or still in line and yep, Mexico City is, 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 is great because of the open scene in this category. Mm -hmm. <laughs> closing, closing words. So don't forget to hit the record button when you're going to do your closing remarks. Repeating things is kind of a pattern in our little project, I've noticed. So for the second time for me and the first time for you, I tweeted out about the existence of this podcast after we'd recorded the fifth episode. And people people are liking it, they're retweeting it, but it wasn't quite the same as when I tweeted out the existence of this podcast on Mastodon, where I think we first started first started chatting and collaborating. Yeah, that's where I contacted you initially. And and where I think we we'd been referred to each other that the the lovely, happy social federated social network called Mastodon. But ever since those first few episodes came out, I haven't I haven't heard much 
I haven't I haven't gotten many notifications of you guys saying what you liked, what you didn't like, what we could improve, what uh, what we're not addressing, what questions you have from the things that we've been talking about. So, whether you're on the Fediverse on Twitter, etc., uh, I'm Nick Farr at Chaos Social, and I'm FlowFX at Chaos.Social, both on Mastodon and on the Twitter. Uh, Nick Farr, N-I-C-K-F-4. RR. And I'm FlowFX, F L O W F X underscore. And if you, and just in case you didn't happen upon our website, the website for this podcast, <coughs> where you can also leave a comment, is severalwaystolive.com. And if you, if you use the, if you use iTunes, don't forget to leave a comment there. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs>